Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. If you'd like a free flashlight, and since Sean is on remote today, he's our man on the scene, it's, you, you, can get, you can get one of those. Send a marketing at axontire.com, and they'll send you a free Firestone-branded safety flashlight with a window breaker and a seat belt cutter or a twine cutter or whatever you want to call it but it's this sucker right here look at that it's a beaut it's a beaut get one of those send a send a uh, email to marketingaxontire.com and they will send you a free flashlight in the mail valid transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment uh, across the country for the past 33 years call parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trekking needs at valid transportation our goal is to help you reach yours and no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. And learning more about your financing options in this uh, three-quarter of a percent jump that we saw um, on Wednesday. And then next month, they're going to do the same thing again, it sounds like. Good, good time to learn about your financing options at, at AgDirect. So just make sure you check that out. Sean Hackett is with... Uh, Hack of Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So, Sean, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing really, really good. Really, really good. Never better. Good deal. All right. So, there is uh, a fair amount of things happening right now. So, if you take a look at what's happening in the overall marketplace right now, there's still a lot of weather stuff going on. Um, the interest rate stuff we saw had the outside markets going up yesterday, but now they're all like just backpedaling about as fast as they can backpedal. Um, you're starting to see a few things pop up here and there. Um, I guess, Sean, as you take a look at what's going on right now in this, over, in this whole weather market, interest rates, all the stuff that's happening right now, what's your thoughts? Well, right now, grain markets, including cotton, it's all about the weather. That okay. will override any and all other factors right now because we're at the critical stage where the next 60 days yields determined. And right now we've begun a hot, um, and now we're beginning to get some dryness coming in. We talked about how back half of June into mid-July we, we would get a kind of weather scare. And when you get a weather scare, 
when you have extremely tight and small uh, domestic and international ending stocks, you know, you, you get a disproportionate to the upside. And I do believe the weather market began today. Sometimes the markets will, you know, kick the can down, kick the can down. But we have a long weekend coming up, Casey. You know, Monday is a holiday. Um, and so a three-day weekend with the, the kind of heat and weather uh, forecasts that the models are showing for the next couple of weeks, you know, we're, we're in the throes of some extremely volatile uh, period coming up. And if we come in on Monday night and the weather models are still saying hot and dry, you know, it could be a wild Monday night trade. And conversely, right. if dramatically the models decide it's cooler and wetter, we could see the exact opposite reaction. But the bottom line is we're in a weather market. And I do believe we have higher to go. How high, you know, the, everyone always asks, well, how high are we going to go? The reality is you really never know how high you're going to go in a weather market because it, it's, it's determined by exactly what is the nature of the weather market, how long does it last, um, what exactly, you know, what areas actually get the worst of it. But the, I focus on the time frame. I really believe whatever the upside that we're going to see in corn or wheat or soybeans or cotton, we're going to see it between now and I would say uh, at the, by, from now to the end of the first week of July. Because gotcha. by that point, we're going to have a two-week forecast that takes us beyond middle of July. Now, if I'm correct with our weather forecast that we're going to get a cooler um, and wetter pattern shift for the back half of July, that should be when the weather market ends. So I would focus on the time frame, you know, end of June, first week of July. As we get closer to that critical time frame, we'll look at the charts, we'll look at the technicals, we'll look at what's going on with the dollar and other things, and we can better determine what kind of upside there is. But, so, but undoubtedly, uh, a hot, dry weather pattern in a year with low stocks, you know, there could be some pretty serious upside right now. Okay. So, All right, so let's talk about what's going on. Uh, right now in in Brazil, down if you, if you take a look what's going on there, there there's back and forth and those kind of things. There has been some movement as far as upgrading the the crop and 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 adding a few more bushels back into that. As you look what's going on in South America right now with with corn and soybeans, what are your thoughts there? Um, you know, I mean, I don't think the crop is as good as the Brazilian government says it is. Um, obviously, the only way that you ever find out for sure what the truth is is. You roll the combines, you start logging in the yields and, sure. the, and, the, and the test weights and all that sort of thing. And I, I, and I don't get me wrong, it's a much, much better crop than last year. I want anyone to think that it's not. But I don't think it's quite as good as they're purporting. I think it's, you know, I think they're saying 110 or 112 millimetric tons. I think it's more like 105, 100, 105, which is a really, so it's like from 85, still big. But I think we're going to find out we have less bushels of Brazilian corn to sell than we're currently uh, thinking at this time. And I and I kind of feel that's why the corn market really hasn't reacted too severely to the downside, um, because I don't think it believes the number. So Okay. All right. So hurricane season, let's talk about that a little bit. We have You and I haven't done a, a, a true, you know, kind of rundown of what we see happening in the climate, you know, your climate models and those kind of things for a little while. But as we head into the season right now, I mean, I've heard some talk about a, a, an active hurricane season, um, not necessarily, you know, cat fives all over the place type of thing, but just a more active hurricane season. As you look at that, couple that with what we see happening in, in cotton and energy and those kind of things, 
it doesn't take a big hiccup to really jump some prices up. So I guess what do you see happening there? Well, I always say because I live I live in Hurricaneville down here in South Florida. I always say that you know a bad hurricane season is if a hurricane hits your area. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so, a small tornado, so, right? <laughs> so, like 1992, yeah. we had one hurricane, Hurricane Andrew, hit South Florida. Yeah. We had a terrible hurricane season that year, right. even though it was extremely quiet. Okay? Right. Yep. So it only takes one. Yep. Um, but. When I look at the overall scheme, we have a weakening La Nina. That shouldn't mean it's it should be less active than the last two years. Okay. I still think it's above average, but not as active as the last two years. When we look at a much colder Atlantic Ocean, the sea surface temperatures of the Atlantic are much colder um, than they were the last two years. That tends to suppress the activity of the hurricane season some. So once again, that would argue for a less active season. When I look at, we talked about the quasi biennial oscillation many times on your show. Um, uh, the last two years, we had a positive QBO, which means going from east to west, which tends to enhance hurricane activity when you have a La Nina. But we have a negative QBO this particular hurricane season. That tends to suppress activity, um, which means it should be less active. So as you can see, we, we continue to, to see that the teleconnections, the different cycles we're following, suggest a less active season than the last years, but still above normal. But most importantly, where are the storm tracks likely to go? So, you know, we went back and we looked at years that had similar kind of metrics. And what we found was, was that the highest risk area this particular hurricane season for direct hits is going to be your mid-Atlantic states and the eastern seaboard. Um, that's your hot spot. That's your epicenter. That's where um, you have the highest risk of the of of most of of, of, a, of most of these tracks to potentially you know create issues. So think the southeast, you know, North Carolina, the East Coast up. That's where I think South Florida is always at risk. Casey, um, but I wouldn't view this year in Florida to be anything above normal. I think it's kind of just, you know, we're normally at risk, right? Um, what was very interesting is that, the, that you know, the last couple of years, the Gulf hurricane activity has been very, very high. We've had a lot of hurricanes going into those deep south states, Texas, you know, Louisiana, the whole you know, that whole corridor there has been very, very active and very, very much impacted. Our work says that that's, that, that area is actually going to be the least likely to see an active set of hurricane storms. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have one. It doesn't, you know, like I said, it only takes one. But, but in terms of overall activity, we think that area has the least likelihood of having an active track of storms. So, so that's kind of what we're thinking. We're thinking... Um, if we're going to see some issues, it, you know, Florida, of course, always an issue. But the southeast, Georgia, North Carolina, the east coast, we would be looking at that in terms of impacts to agriculture. Um, in this case, it would be cotton, for example, mm -hmm. um, and, and impact to, to human you know, damage and, and infrastructure. That would be where we, we would think this hurricane season you know, might provide some fireworks um, for, the, for, for those that are in you know, that track. So Okay. So that leads me to my next my next question here. Uh, on Tuesday, this week, 
we talked about the natural gas situation with with the with the uh, the compression export uh, hub that got that exploded. And right now, you take a look at what's going on there. Natural gas is like seven dollars and forty cents, seven dollars fifty cents. You know, it's been had a steady decline. It was up to like nine dollars and fifty cents almost there for a minute, and it came back down. What's your thoughts about natural gas? If there were to be some kind of of hiccup uh, with you know a hurricane or some other you know weather related situation that that would that would close down maybe another one of these export areas. Well, well, remember, remember last year, Casey, how unusual that hurricane was. Right. It threaded the needle. It it reduced production in the Gulf, mm-hmm. but it kept the LNG terminals operational. Quite frankly, I'm not sure that's ever happened since we've been had those LNG terminals before. Usually, what happens is the LNG terminals go down, and the production in the Gulf is really only a minor issue, and it's actually a bearish feature. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would tend to think that the chances of having another hurricane thread the needle like that highly unlikely. I think more likely you'll have more LNG terminals either damaged or uh, shut down, and that will back up natural gas supplies even further on top of the the terminal, the Freeport terminal that's already been shut down, and it's an, it's un, it's undetermined. How long it might be shut down, but they've made an a indication that it could take until the fourth quarter to get it back to being fully operational. So, it, 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 I think the market would react initially, Casey, bullishly because of what happened last year. But I think you need to be very careful because it normally is actually a bearish feature, and you could have a rope of dope where you go straight up and straight back down because the market realizes it's actually going to cut, shut down more of these terminals on top of what we already have. So. You know, I, I think if there is one that sneaks in, Casey, uh, be very mindful of of uh, downplaying the bullish impacts. I think it'd be more bearish than bullish this particular year because last year was that was almost a one in one million shot to get a, a hurricane thread needle like that. I doubt it'll happen again. Yeah. So. Okay. All right, let's jump over and talk about protein market here just real quick and what you see happening there. I mean, right now we are starting to see some some pretty good uptick right now in in, in live cattle and what you see happening there. Thoughts there going into this green season, like you know, we talked about it. You know, we've got a we've got a, a diminishing herd, and we're trying to build that back up. Guys are still kind of playing with that idea because feed prices are still pretty high. I guess thoughts there on what you see happening there as we move into these hot months of green. We've had a few of these places, especially like I saw some stuff down in Kansas where two thousand head of cattle were zapped real quick on on a weekend when it got to be hundred degrees down there. Well, I mean, cattle's in a weather market, too. I mean, the cattle weights are crashing. Um, I mean, literally crashing because of the stress on the animals. You know, we're dealing with a, 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 you know, some deaths, as you talked about. Even Western Europe is looking at some extreme heat. We talked about Europe uh, in your show, but that would yep. be another hot spot for what would create this weather market into, you know, late June and mid-July. Um, so the cattle market's losing supply from the lower weights and from the sudden deaths um, of these animals. We don't know how many more deaths will occur. We don't know how much longer the weights, you know, will, will fall. But we do know that we had a lot of cattle placed on feed and 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 they're they're losing weights at exactly the time that they're supposed to be coming to the marketplace. So what, what it means is we're permanently losing what was supposed to be a pretty healthy period for the next couple months for supply to feed into this 
you know, seasonal summer demand. And if we lose that, you know, we don't expect we're going to see another round of heavy cattle on feed numbers coming up in the months to come. And so it sets a really substantial air pocket for overhead supply. And I think the packers are beginning to understand that the, um, the amount of animals that are going to be available to come to the market as we approach the fall and get into the, to the holiday demand part of the season could be extremely tight. In fact, some of the tightest we've seen maybe since 2013, and they're starting to bid up the animals to procure some of that and, and, and get ahead of the curve. And so we think this big price reversal we saw in cattle and feeders last week um, really was an important turning point. And even though you know we can have some corrections like we had today when feed prices go higher, we think overall we think the trend is up and it could really get pretty exciting in the fall, um, especially if we start getting some lower feed prices once this weather market ends. It could be, it could be finally, it could, we could finally get prices that cattle producers can you know really look at their balance sheet and say, boy, we're, we're, we're going to put some serious equity back into the business after a really tough couple of years here. So, right on, man. Okay. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is that you're doing over there at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of, of information on there that goes over our various tools and techniques of how we do things to see if we could be of value to your listeners. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Make sure you do all that, and you can go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related. Also with the Moving Iron Podcast Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you're a dealer, want to check that out, and by means, I'd love to have you. Uh, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I can answer any question you have there. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's move to our folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving on